Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you have a story you'd like to share, please do so at adventure.church slash mystory. Also, if you'd like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do that online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare to hear a word from God. Well, welcome. I want to thank all of you for being here with us today. My name's Kyle. I'm the lead pastor. Obviously, I am not here in person today, but we wanted to experiment a little bit with this thing called video venues of churches, and uh, this is something that we are looking into for the future of our church. Churches literally all over the world are utilizing uh, video venues to reach more communities and to reach more people for Jesus. And so we thought today we would give it a try and uh, we're going to be sending out an email this week and soliciting your feedback. We'd love to know what you think of this experience and if this is something that that you would uh, maybe go to in the future that you would invite someone to. And so we'd love for you to, to fill out that quick email this week. Don't send it to spam. Don't block us. Fill it out. And if you do that, you'll be entered in to win a gift card as well. But we would just love to see how you feel about it. And we're glad you're here today. I want to give a special shout out to those of you who are joining us online. Welcome. Appreciate you tuning in today as well. Well, jumping right into it today, we are in a series called The Best of AC, where we've been looking at messages over the last three and a half, almost four years that our church has been in existence. And you know, week after week, sometimes people come up to me and go, man, that was a great message. That's something that we need to hear again. And so what we did is we took those messages and over the last few weeks, you've been voting on which one you want to hear. You pick it, we'll preach it. And so today's message is coming from a series we did called Toxic. And you guys picked a message on comparison and how uh, toxic comparison can be to our lives. And it's how something, you know, it's something we all struggle with. We all deal with it, and today we're going to talk about how we hopefully can quit comparing ourselves to others and start learning to be content in who God has made us to be and what he has blessed us with. You see, when it comes to comparison, you have to remember that comparison is the thief of contentment. God wants us to be content. I think we all want to be content, and when we compare ourselves to others, it steals our contentment. Comparison is the thief of contentment. And contentment is the key to fulfillment. And we all want to be fulfilled. We all want to feel satisfied in our lives. And so if we're constantly comparing ourselves, we're getting robbed of contentment. And contentment then uh, is keeping us from being fulfilled. We'll never feel fulfilled the way God wants us to if we're constantly comparing ourselves. Contentment, uh, Mr. Webster said, is the state of peaceful happiness. It's uh, being at ease, it's being satisfied, it's being fulfilled. And and just hearing those words, it kind of makes me feel rested, it makes me feel at ease, a a peaceful happiness, at ease, satisfied, fulfilled. I think we all desire to live that way and to have that type of peace and fulfillment in our lives, but we struggle more and more with this thing called comparison. And I think why we struggle with it more today than any other time in history is because of this thing called social media. Never has a society had so much access to what's going on in the people's lives around them, right? 
you get on Instagram, you get on Facebook, you get on Twitter, you can constantly see what other people are doing, where they're at, what they have, the house they have, the car they drive, all those things that we constantly compare ourselves to. And we find ourselves being more aware of what's going on around us than ever before. And the problem with awareness is, is the more aware we are, the more we compare. And the more we compare, the less satisfied we're going to be. Never before have people had so much and still wanted so much more. People have so much stuff, yet there's still this desire for more, and it's because of this thing called comparison. And the problem with social media is, is that we compare our behind the scenes with someone else's highlight reel, right? We compare what's going on in our lives, our troubles, our issues with someone else's highlight reel. Because I don't know about you, but I don't post stuff on Instagram and and Facebook and Twitter that really isn't good or sheds myself or my family in a good light. See, I love Sports Center. I love watching uh, the Sports Center top 10 plays every day. They get on and, and show you the top 10 plays of the day. And when they do that, uh, you get to see the best. But one of the things that I also love is when Sports Center does the not so top 10. And this is where they show the mistakes that people have made. This is where they show the issues and the, the errors and the bloopers of <clears throat> guys that made some mistakes. And so. When, when I think about the not-so-top 10, I think about kind of my life, because what I want to do is, is on social media and what other people do is they put their top 10 on there, right? They put, you know, they're, they're on vacation in this beautiful environment, and they, they grab their cell phone, and they're, they're snapping selfies of themselves with the beach behind them and with their feet, you know, in the pool or in the sand and, you know, on this amazing place, or they're at this amazing restaurant, and they're snapping, you know, pictures of their Eddie Merlot steak and celebrating 10 years or 20 years of marriage or whatever it may be. And, and they're, they're posting their highlight reel. They're posting their top 10. And we're comparing our behind the scenes. If we were to be really honest and we were to really post what a lot of our life looks like, right? Like if I was to share what's really going on, and that's what I wish would happen on social media more, I'd be sharing that, yeah, you know, I got in a fight with my wife. And I'm sleeping on the couch tonight. Yeah, yay for me, right? Or, you know, uh, my son peed all over the floor. For the second time today. Yep, that's what I'm doing right now. Or not, hey, I'm, you know, I'm at the gym working out because we love to post that one on Facebook too. But hey, I ate way too much. I've been depressed for the last few weeks. I've put on 10 pounds, you know. That's the reality of life. Or I skipped the gym again, you know. I haven't worked out in three weeks, you know. We don't post that stuff, but we compare our issues, our behind the scenes with someone else's highlight reel. And I just want to challenge you today, maybe you, you find yourself struggling with this, this thing of comparison, and it's causing you to be robbed of contentment and fulfillment in your life. Maybe you need to do a detox, as we're in this toxic talk today of how do we remove these toxins, maybe you need to do a social media detox, where you just get off of social media, where you quit comparing to other people and just allow that to get out of your system. Unfollow some people on Facebook that you struggle with comparing yourself to. Don't look at their highlight reel anymore. Just get away from it. Limit your time on it. Maybe that's something you need to do. But we often struggle with this thing 
comparison and and I think we compare ourselves in different areas and and maybe these would be called areas where we compare or areas of discontentment but I think one of the areas that a lot of us compare to is material and financial things right we compare our car with someone else's car our house with someone else's house they go on more vacations than us they make more money than us how come they got to do this or they get to go there and how did they get this promotion right material financial things another area that we compare is relationally. We didn't get invited to that event that we wanted to go to. You know, I want to be married. How did she get married before me? How did that even happen? How did her husband get that? How did his, his wife get that? And, and she gets to spend all this time with their kids and I got to go to work. How is that fair? And, and how did they get this picture of, of this life that I want? And we relationally compare ourselves. They get to have fun. We don't. They, their, their post on, on social media, on Facebook, got more likes than mine, right? Let's just be real today. We compare ourselves relationally. Then also, circumstantially, we compare ourselves. This point in life, you know, I thought I would be further. How did they get further than me? How did they have a baby? We've been trying to have a baby. How come they were able to have a baby and I wasn't able to have a baby? How are these things happening? How did they get the lake house? How did they get season tickets to the Buckeyes games. How did they get these things and I didn't get them? We constantly can find ourselves comparison. And the problem with comparison is, is it's a trap. It's called the comparison trap. There is no win in comparison. No win in comparison. You will always lose. You'll always want more unless you learn how to be content. And you have to learn how to be content. It's something you have to learn. This is what Paul says in Philippians 4.12. He says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry or living in plenty or in want. Get some context here. This is one of the prison epistles, which means Paul was writing this letter while in prison, while in shackles, chained to a Roman guard. Paul said, I had to learn how to be content. You see, Paul had it all, gave it up to follow Jesus and to pursue the plan of Christ for his life. He's writing this letter from a prison cell, and he says, I've learned to be content. It doesn't come natural, right? Contentment doesn't come natural. It's something we have to learn to do. And he says, I've learned how to be content. I've learned to have peace internally, no matter what is happening around me. To me, that's just so powerful that there is a way, Paul says, to be content in all circumstances. And I don't know about you, but I want to learn how to do that. I want to learn how to be content when I have it all and when I have nothing. When I'm in, when I, when I have plenty and and when I'm in need, that, that Paul says, I've learned how to be content. He goes on in verse 13 of Philippians chapter four and says, and I've learned that I can do all of this. I've learned I can be content and I can do all this through Christ who gives me his strength. Not my strength. I'm not naturally able to be content, but with Christ, I can do all things. So Paul says, here's the secret. What's the secret to contentment? Paul says it like this. I've realized that I can't, but he can, and he can through me. How amazing is that? That God recognizes that we can't do it on our own, but that with Christ in us, we can do 
and be all that God wants us to be with Christ working through us. See, the secret of contentment is found in Christ and in Christ alone. And when you recognize that his presence is real, that no matter what's going on in your life, he is everything that you need. When you realize that he is with you, that he is in you, that everything you need comes from him, that you can be content no matter what is going on around you because Christ is in you and you've recognized that, Man, you can be content in anything. Again, Paul was in prison. And Paul was realizing this. When Christ is all you have, that's all he had, you'll realize he's all you need. When Christ is all you have, you will realize he's all you need. So we can take some lessons from Paul here and we can look throughout the New Testament where Paul talks about how to be content. And talks about the situations he went through and how he learned to be content. So today, let's let's figure this out a little bit. Some keys to to overcoming comparison. And the first one is this, is don't look around you, look above you. Don't look around you to what's going on around you. Look up, look above you. Colossians 3, 1 through 4, Paul says it like this. Since you have been raised to new life in Christ... So he's talking to people who are Christ followers. He says, since you have Christ and and you've realized he's all you need, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in a place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven. Think about things with eternal significance of eternal value, not the things of this earth. For you have died to this life. You have died, listen to me today, I want to pause you just for a second. You've died to this life, and I think when we think about this life, what is this life? To, to the things of this world, you've died to the things of this world and what this world values. You've died to that, you've crucified that to the cross that Paul says. And, and, and today I want to say this, you, you've died to the American dream, you've died to it. You've given up the right to pursue an American dream. You are pursuing something much bigger than the American dream. You are pursuing the plan of God for your life, the will of God for your life, things of eternal value, of eternal significance, investing your life into people, making a difference for the kingdom of God. Man, when we get that in our hearts today, folks, when we, when we, when we step into that plan and purpose for our God, we don't, we don't care about what's going around us. We want to please one person and one person alone, and that's Jesus Christ. In view of what he's done for us, we're setting our sights on the realities of heaven where Jesus is sitting in authority ruling over his people. He says, you've died to this life. Your real life, your real purpose is hidden with Christ in God. Verse four, and when Christ, who is your life, who is the one you're living for now, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. And Paul's saying here is when you set your sights on the realities of heaven, when you die to the American dream and what this world values and you begin to pursue God with a passion to see him complete his will through your life, it says that when, when everything else goes away, when Jesus is revealed and he's revealed through you, that you will get to share in his glory. And I'm telling you, nothing in this world will ever compare to that. There's no house, there's no car, there's no college for your kid to attend, there's nothing that will fulfill you and will compare to sharing in the glory of God. Paul was content because he wasn't looking around himself for fulfillment. He was in a prison cell. He was focused on what really mattered. 
You see, and we live in a world where we are always looking to our left and to our right to see how we're doing, to see if we're measuring up to the standards of success in our world. You know, the past couple weeks, the Kentucky Derby was on, and then there was another race of the Triple Crown horse races. And I was watching this segment early on, and it was showing the, the blinders that they put on horses and the different styles that they have and the different amount that they will allow the horse to see. And it was interesting to me that, that even with a horse and, and, and running the race that the, it was running, that if the horse gets distracted, that if it begins to look to its left or its right, it's going to lose the race. It's going to veer off course. And today, I, I think that applies to you and me. If we continually are looking to our left and to our right to see how we're measuring up, to see if we're running the race as well as someone else next to us, to see if we're achieving the things that, that, that we want to achieve or that someone else is achieving, we're going to get off the course that God has for us. God says that he's given each of us our own race, our own lane, and those blinders keep the horses in their lane and which helps them get to victory faster helps them accomplish their purpose faster. And the key to a horse winning the race is staying focused on the task in front of them. God has given each of us a task. He's given each of us a purpose, a calling, a plan that's different than anyone else's. And the key to your success, the key to your contentment is to stay in your lane. Put blinders up. Paul says, focus on Jesus. Set your sights above you, not around you. Put blinders on. Stay in your lane. Run your race. Paul says, it's the key. He says, now that I know Christ, now that I've discovered my purpose was in Christ, he goes, I've stopped looking around me to see if I'm measuring up. I've stopped comparing myself to others. And the only thing that I consider to be success is fulfilling the will of God for my life. This is what Solomon says, who was the richest and wisest person to ever live in Ecclesiastes 4.4. He says, then I observed... That most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. But this too is meaningless, like chasing the wind. You see, Solomon saw people determining where they were based on where everyone else was. Was determining their success based on where everyone else was in life. And I don't know where where he was observing this. Maybe he was sitting up in his palace looking out over the town of his kingdom. But he was looking and seeing people and saying that they're motivated to succeed based on how they compare themselves to their neighbor. He says this is meaningless. It's chasing the wind. There's, There's no way to catch it. You will run yourself ragged. There's no sense of accomplishment or finishing or satisfaction or peace if you're chasing the wind. Solomon says, if you are finding yourself comparing yourself to others to determine if you are successful or not, to see if you're measuring up in life, he says, you'll never be fulfilled. You'll never be content. Ecclesiastes 4.8, he goes on and says, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is all so meaningless and depressing. Who am I working for? Who are you working for today? Whose approval are you trying to win? Why are you giving up the the peace and the contentment and the fulfillment and joy that Christ offers here and now to chase something that's so meaningless? To pursue an opinion that 
doesn't really matter. I think we all know people that have arrived according to the standards of success in our world. And we all know people who have a lot, who've achieved success in, in, in the world's eyes and they have no peace. They have no contentment. They're depressed. They have anxiety. They have fear. They don't sleep well. That they've achieved success in the world's standards, but they've been robbed of the joy that's only found in pursuing the plan of God. So you must determine, like Paul did, what or who am I going to use as my reference point to tell me I'm okay, to tell me I'm doing all right, to tell me I measure up. Where are you looking today? What are you looking to? Is it your parents? Is it your bank account that once you achieve this financial status, you'll be content, you'll be fulfilled? Is it your boss's approval you're looking for? Is it in your your physical appearance? Is it in material possessions? What are you looking to? Who are you looking to to determine if you're doing okay? To let you know you're doing all right. See, Solomon says it's meaningless if you're comparing yourself to those things because there's no end to that. It's chasing the wind. You're going to run yourself ragged. He said, don't look around you, look above you. And today, I just want to challenge you with this, as if, if you will start taking your cues from the one who created you, you'll find contentment. You've got to begin to take your cues from the one who created you, the one that you're going to share in his glory. Galatians 4, 5 through 6, Paul says this, God sent him, Jesus, to buy our freedom to buy our freedom for us, who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. This is the only spot in scripture where this term, Abba, Father, is used to describe God. And it literally translated means daddy, dad, daddy, that we can refer to God as our daddy, as our Abba father. You see, God sent him to buy Jesus, to buy our freedom, to adopt us. You see, God wasn't stuck with us. You and I, when we have kids naturally, we're stuck with our kids, right? I mean, I love my kids. They're they're great kids, but I can't trade them in. I can't upgrade. I'm stuck with what I got. But God didn't have to do that. God knew everything about you. Think about this. He knew everything about you, yet, even in spite of that, knowing everything about you has made it possible through Jesus for you to become his child. You see, adoption means choice. There's there's a choice in who you adopt. And God says that he adopted us back. You see, value in life, value of anything, is determined upon what someone is willing to pay for it. Not what you think it's worth, but what someone is willing to pay for it. No matter what I think my house is worth, the value is determined by what someone else would be willing to pay for it. And in thinking of value through that, God killed his blood son, Jesus, his his only son, so that he could adopt you, so that he could choose you. He killed his blood son, so that he could adopt you into his family. That's how valuable 
you are. If value is determined by what someone is willing to pay for it, God was willing to kill his son so that he could buy you back into his family. It's amazing. It's amazing what God did for us. And, and, and if we could, could understand that the Abba Father, that your dad, your daddy in heaven approves of you, he loves you, that he picked you, he chose you, he called you into his family, and that he's not just this God in heaven, that he's your dad, that he loves you, he cares so much about you. And I think if we could get that from our heads into our hearts this morning, it would be a game changer for us, that we wouldn't seek the approval of anyone in this world knowing that our heavenly father, who was seated in heaven, sent his son into this world, and Jesus willingly died in my place so that, so that God could buy me back, so that he could adopt me with all of my faults, with all of my failures, with all of the things that I've done and, and, and wrongs and the, and the ones I still commit, because God knows the beginning from the end. He knows when I'm going to continue to mess up, yet he still chooses to bring me into his family, to adopt me, to love me. And if we can take our cues from the one who created us, Abba, Father in heaven, it'll be a game changer. See, Riley just finished kindergarten this week, and I was just so proud. You know, I just took her to school, was driving her to school, just telling her how proud I was of her and how much she's learned and how much she's grown and how amazing she is and how thankful I am that I get to be her dad. And when, when I look at my kid, I look at him differently than you. You may go, oh, Riley's cute and we love her and it's great, but I look at her differently because she's mine. Because I created her. I was a part of that process and, and, and no one sees my kids the, the way that, that I do. And they fill my heart in a way that, that they can't Fill yours, and they make me so full and proud, and I pray that someday that they will see themselves the same way I see them. And today, I want you to know this. You don't have to compare yourself to anyone else. You don't need the approval of anyone else because that's how God looks at you. You were uniquely created by God, for God, to accomplish his purposes. And when you begin to believe that and you begin to walk in that, it'll change everything for your life. God doesn't compare you to anyone else. He uniquely created you with a DNA that's specific to only you. He laid out a plan and a purpose and a path and a race for you that's unique to you and no one else's. He's got a a special thing he wants to do in and through you. And he isn't comparing you to any of his other kids. So you need to quit comparing yourself to him. Stay in your lanes. Put on blinders. Look above you, not around you. That's the key to learning how to be content. And when we understand that it's his approval that we need and we don't need anyone else's, it'll change everything for us. So the first thing is we gotta gotta look above and and not around. And the second thing today I think maybe is a little bit less spiritual than the first point. But I would say it like this. The way I grew up, to be content, to be fulfilled, don't hate, celebrate. Look at your neighbor today and say, don't hate. Come on, don't hate, don't hate. Don't be a hater, right? No one likes a hater. But the sad thing is, is that there's, there's, there's something in me that can find myself hating on other people, that can, can find myself comparing myself to other people and hating on them when God blesses them in a way that I want to be blessed. Come on, don't look at me like that, like I'm the only one today. We all struggle with this thing. And scripture says, don't hate on them, celebrate with them. Romans 12, 15 through 16 says, be happy with those who are happy, Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Be happy with those who are happy. Be sad with those who are sad. Mourn with them. 
Don't hate, live in harmony with each other. Don't hate on each other. Celebrate what God is doing in other people. You see, when we constantly compare ourselves, comparison leads to competition. When we compare, we go, I want what they have. What do I need to do to get what they have? I'm going to compete with them now. I'm not going to celebrate with them. I'm going to compete with them. And when we compete with people, it destroys the opportunity to celebrate with them. And God has called us to celebrate what he's doing in other people's lives. Stay in your lane. Focus on you. When God blesses someone else, rejoice with them. Be happy for them. Don't hate on them. Celebrate what God is doing in their life. You see, envy is is resenting God's goodness in someone else's life and ignoring God's goodness in your own life. Man, that's good. You should tweet that out. You should put that on your Facebook today. Envy is resenting God's goodness in someone else's life while ignoring God's goodness in your own life. You see, this idea of hating and not celebrating happens with me a lot on Wheel of Fortune. I love Wheel of Fortune, okay? Yeah, I do. I like it. I DVR. I watch it. I'm pretty good at it. I hope someday that I'll get the opportunity to be on the show with Pat and Vanna. Uh, they're like 80, though, so I don't know if they'll make it by then, but, but I, I love the show. And what's always funny to me is how, how the people will celebrate when other people win. Like someone will literally be like one letter away from solving the puzzle. Like you know they know it and they gambled and they spun one more time and they hit a lose a turn or a bankrupt and then it goes on to the next person next to them and they, and, and they immediately say, I would just like to solve the puzzle. And they read what the other person did all the work for and they win the money, the trip, whatever it is and you always see those people next to them like when they win, they stand there and they're like, <laughs> not me. I ain't doing that. I don't know if they tell them they have to do that. I'm going to be a hater. I'm going to be like, what? Man, that was my prize puzzle, man. I can't believe you won that. I'm always hating on Wheel of Fortune. I'm not celebrating when someone else does that, especially when I do the work. I find myself being a hater, and that's not how God wants me to be. Ecclesiastes 6, 9, it says, enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Again, this is Solomon, the richest, wisest man ever. And he says, this is my advice to you. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless. It's chasing the wind. Focus on what you do have, not on what you don't have. You see, that's the key to contentment. Not looking to what others have, not hating on others, celebrating what God has done in you, being thankful for what he's done in you, celebrating what he's done with them too, being thankful, looking for our blessings. You see, If you look for the blessings of God, you'll see them. But if you're constantly comparing yourself to someone else, if you're constantly looking to what others have and you don't, you won't see the blessings that God has given you. You go, man, I'm tired of my car. Just thank God you have a car. Life is crazy. I'm so busy. I have so much going on. Be thankful that you have a lot going on. Be thankful you have a role to play in God's kingdom. My house is too small. It's not big enough. Thank God that you have a roof over your head, right? Look for the blessings. I don't like my job. Be thankful you have a job, that you have an income. Start looking to the things that you do have rather than desiring the things you don't have. You will then find what it means to be content. Don't hate, celebrate. So how do you define success? And how you define success is the key to avoiding the comparison trap. Being obedient to what God calls you to do 
in the lane that he's, calls, that he's laid out for you to run in, that is the key to contentment. That is success to find. God, my success is found in you. My success is being obedient to what you've called me to do, what you've asked of me. God, and my approval isn't found in anyone else. I'm not looking around me. I'm looking above me to you. My sights are set on the realities of heaven. And God, if I stay in my lane and fulfill the purpose that you have for me, I know that my value is in you, and it's in that. The band's gonna come. We're gonna close out today. And when we think about this idea of contentment, it reminded me a little bit of the parable of talents in Matthew 25, and Jesus teaches us again this idea of what success is. And in that parable, you can read it for yourself, Matthew 25, Jesus says that success is simply being obedient to the will of God, being obedient, and leveraging what he's given you for his purposes. That's success, being obedient to the will of God and leveraging what he's given you for his purposes. And if we do that, we'll be content. If we understand that that's how our value is determined, then we won't compare ourselves to anyone around us. You see, what you have is less important than what you do with what you have. So today, let's get some perspective. Let's realize that we are blessed, that God has given us so much. Let's begin to focus on what God has given us and rather than what we don't have or what we still desire and being fulfilled in what God has already blessed us with. You see, we all will have to give an account today to God someday for what he's entrusted to us and the parable of the talents teaches us that. And I don't know about you, but when I stand before God, I don't want to stand before him saying that I wasted my life chasing the wind, comparing myself to things that don't matter and chasing things that don't matter looking to my left and right all the time instead of looking to him for approval and defining my success based on what God has called me to do and staying in my lane and running my race with passion to fulfill God's purpose. So in summary today, don't look around you, look above you. Take your cues from the one who created you. He's your Abba Father, he's your daddy. He sees you, he looks at you, he's proud of you. He created you, you are unique. You are different than any other kid he created and he loves you with a passion and he pursues you and has a plan for you. Look to him, don't look to anyone else. And celebrate what God has given others and leverage what he's given you for his kingdom. And when we do that, we'll be content. When we do that, we'll have peace. When we do that, will be fulfilled. You see, there's a void in all of our lives that can only be filled by the one who created us. And today I want you to know that maybe you're here and and you're not in relationship with God. He created you, he loves you, he knows you. He has a purpose for you and you were made to be in relationship with him, to know him, to know his will, to fulfill his purpose for his life. And you can keep trying all you want to fill that void with the things of this world. It will never work. You're chasing the wind. You can't catch it. Today, I want you to know that you're a child of God, that you're his son, that you're his daughter, that you can 
Call out to Abba Father, to Daddy, and he will answer you. That you were created in his image, you are approved by him. And if you begin to live for an audience of one, seeking only his approval, you'll know what it means to be content. And so today as we sing this song and as we pull closer to God and as you draw close to him today, I pray that you would sense his presence, that you would sense his approval, and that you would be content in who you are and who he created you to be. God, we love you. We're so thankful, Lord, for the price you paid for us, that you adopted us, that you bought us back with the blood of your son, Jesus, and that through his death that we can have life today, and that, God, you've created each of us uniquely with a purpose to pursue you, to know you, and to fulfill the plan and the will that you have for us. And so, God, today we will no longer look around us to see if we're measuring up. We won't look to find our fulfillment in the things of this world, but God, we will pursue you and we will redefine success in our lives as knowing you and fulfilling your will and your purpose for our life. God, help us to be obedient to that. Help us to learn to be content in all that you've already given us, to stop looking to what others have, to celebrate with them, God, as we grow in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together.